Welcome to Page It to the Limit, a podcast where we explore what it takes to run software in production successfully. We cover leading practices used in the software industry to improve both system reliability and the lives of the people supporting those systems. I'm your host, Mandy Walls. Find me at LNXCHK on Twitter. All right, welcome back to Page It to the Limit. October is Cybersecurity Awareness Month, so we have some folks with us from PagerDuty security team. I'm going to let them introduce themselves, tell us a bit about what they do, and we'll go from there. So let's start with you, Meg. Uh, hi, so I'm Meg. I am a senior uh, security engineer for PagerDuty. I've been here for about four months now. So I deal with a whole bunch of different uh, things. Specifically, I'm in product security, so it's more focused on securing well, the product. And prior to that, I was actually a software developer for about seven years. So really familiar with more of the dev side of things, dev workflows, that sort of things, and a lot of the struggles that developers have and clashes they'll have with uh, security. Awesome. And Patrick? Ah, yes. Hello. I'm Patrick Rosary. I am a cybersecurity engineer as well on PagerDuty, same team as Meg, and started at the same time. So it's kind of a, hey, you got two new people that's been here for about four months. But uh, my background is a little bit more into security. I've been an engineer for about seven years now. And I mean, most of my duties involve just solving complex problems and integrating systems that natively don't integrate with each other. Because, I mean, we see all kinds of stuff and you would think, hey, let me buy this expensive tool. Let me buy this expensive tool and it'll work out the gate. That doesn't happen. Not at all in any way, shape or form. So it's more making things that don't happen happen. Oh, interesting. That's a great way to put it. All right. Well, so my prep for this episode was to rewatch Hackers. So, like, that's my baseline for security. Get us started. Like, Patrick, you said you've been at this sort of a while. So, like, how'd you get into security? What drove you in this sort of direction? So, I mean, uh, this goes back eight, nine years. I was in Help Desk. Um, This was when we were upgrading Windows XP to Windows 7. So I was part of that whole transition where companies were like, okay, yeah, no, we're not going to upgrade XP. And then Microsoft was like, yes, you are. So we had four months to upgrade, like, a massive amount of computers. And, I mean, you know. Of course, we didn't meet the deadline, but hey, whoever meets the deadline. But yeah, just doing it and just learning that I don't like manual processes in any way, shape or form. When you're migrating a computer and then you have to migrate the data, it is horrible. It's horrible experience. So, you know, I kind of took that and I started, you know, automating a little bit of a few pieces because there weren't that many automation tools at the time. So I kind of like took that and kept it in the back of my mind. Like, okay, this is actually pretty cool. I had the idea of getting into networking before getting into security. So I like went deep into it. I got my network plus, I got my CCNA and I'm like, awesome. Someone's going to hire me now. Absolutely not. They did not hire me. No one wanted me. It's like, oh, okay. To be a network engineer, you needed to have X amount of experience. And I had zero experience. So it was kind of a little wake up call for me. Like, okay, well, yeah, what the hell? So at the time I was in New York and I had the opportunity to go through a training program that sends you on an internship at the end. And that's how I got my foot into security. And I've just been growing ever since. Oh, that's super interesting. So not your original plan by far, right? No, it wasn't my original plan, but it worked out for me. Awesome. And Meg, so as a software engineer, what tipped you in the security direction? Um, I mean, it was something I always 
thought was really cool and interesting. I mean, obviously, I'd seen things like hackers and stuff like that. But I also had friends that had um, actually shown me some of the cool hacking tools and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. But I don't think I could ever actually like get into security. And then after working as a software dev for a few years, I started just was like, well, there's a cybersecurity digital forensics program part time at the local tech school. I'm going to at least do it for fun. And we'll see what happens from there. And ended up just falling in love with it. I mean, like, this is amazing. All right, how can I get into this field? The previous place I worked had a security champions program. So I got involved in that as my team security champions. I did a lot of uh, liaisoning with the security team, uh, working with getting vulnerabilities resolved, dealing with like looking at the results from our pen test, making sure everything was remediated, doing lots of like knowledge sharing and upskilling sessions on security topics and things like that. And sort of just kept taking every opportunity to sort of try to be as much of like a security cheerleader as I could. And then eventually I decided I'm like, well, everything's saying that there's tons of cybersecurity jobs right now. So maybe it's time to see if I can make the switch, see if I can find somewhere that will value the dev experience. And so that's how I ended up here. That's great. So like for PagerDuty, since we're a SaaS platform, and you're working with the engineers, like, what kinds of day to day do you have? Like you mentioned uh, pen testing and some other things that would be, you know, maybe activities that, that you'd run on some of our stuff. But like, what do you do day to day? Is it sitting in a closet beating on keyboards? Or what do you, what do you get to do now? Day to day is all over the place. Sometimes it's just spending like half the day chatting to 10 different people on Slack because you're trying to track down who knows about this random thing and like who's the knowledge holder on this, who knows about this, how does it run, that sort of thing. Other times I might spend all day writing a script that's scanning um, like our GitHub for something to monitor it or it might be looking at logs to look into something else might be reviewing documentation on something. It's pretty much all over the place. There's rarely a day that's the same as the rest. Patrick, anything else that you do during your day? I mean, just to add on a little bit to what Meg said, it's not just PagerDuty. We have PagerDuty run, the run deck and Catalytic. And, you know, it's kind of doing the security for all of these teams. I have a project coming up to integrate one of them a little bit more into our processes and stuff. And, you know, finally finish that uh that merger and bring them on. I mean, I know they have their at pagerduty.emails, but you know, there's still a little bit more work to get done in the back end before it's, you know, fully considered, all right, these are all our assets. This is what we own. And this is all 100% pagerduty right now. Another thing that, you know, we do, technology is ever changing. It's, it changes so quick and so fast. It's ridiculous. We're getting into Kubernetes. So, you know, we have a migration going on. We're going to that platform and it's just, again, figuring out those complex problems like, okay, cool, you know, the app work here. Is it going to work here? It should work here. How's it going to work there? And, you know, having these discussions with teams and try to make the least amount of mistakes. It sounds like like everything's going to be a trade-off. Like, how do you keep up with everything? Like, we have lots of upstream dependencies. Like, as, and I only passively watch the things that come through on some of the GitHub repositories. Like, there's a, a lot of stuff that goes into our products. Uh, sometimes there's CVEs that pop up in different components. Like, how do you stay on top of everything that's going on that might impact us? Uh, some of the stuff for CVEs specifically, we do just have tools that scan for them. 
So sometimes when one pops up right away, we'll, uh, a tool will flag it and we might have to add a temporary exception or something for a team because they're like, ah, this was just posted yesterday. I don't have a fix for it. Give us a minute. Give us a minute. Yeah. Have a temporary exception so I can keep working. So those, we do have a lot of automated tools um, that pop up and give us detections. Some stuff we just read about or people share it with us, especially um, like some things like there was a Zoom exploit for Max recently and that came out of DEF CON. Yeah, and like people were sharing articles about that. So some of it we do find out about that way. Either we'll read it on mailing lists or like someone shares it with us. So there's lots of different ways to keep on top of um, that sort of thing. Yes, these CVs and these vulnerabilities can come in many different places in many different areas. It could be a bug in your code. It could be a package on your operating system. It could be it could be the actual operating system, the kernel. It's a lot to keep up. And yes, we do have tools for that. And I'm actually working on something to kind of integrate those tools and consolidate and bring it in a dashboard so we don't have to sit here and click and go, all right, this tool doesn't show me what I need to do, uh, what I need. Let me go to another tool and let me go see. So this way we can kind of consolidate and, you know, just reduce that operational overhead. How have things changed since I started using GitHub? Like we now have like things like Dependabot and other other little tools and bots and, and things that are meant to help folks. But like as that's happening, we're also getting messaging from the industry that like we're shifting security left and we're going to do more earlier and all these amazing things are going to happen. So how have things changed and like how do you see things going for the, the engineers that you work with to, you know, think more about security or incorporate it more into their sort of daily lives. So the idea of shifting left is giving more feedback earlier in the process to developers, because I mean, the process is like this, you know, you write your code, you compile your code, you touch your corner computer, it works. All right, cool. Let me ship this off to GitHub and GitHub. Once it's there, you know, you create your PR and it's going to run through all these series of checks. And then you get your feedback there on, hey, okay, this worked or it didn't work. And that feedback can be anywhere from five minutes to maybe an hour, who knows? And just going through that process to then find out an hour later that your stuff didn't work, oh, man, that's a killer. So the idea of shifting left is to give that, uh, that feedback much earlier in the process. And that's using some of our tools, having you know developers integrate with those tools in their IDE, their integrated development environment, and just, you know, giving them that feedback earlier so it's less strain later down the line. Because I've been through that. I've written stuff and I'm just like, okay, cool. It's going to run through my tools. What's going to happen? I, I probably should practice what I preach, right? But, you know. <laughs> yeah, we're really working towards trying to give developers a feedback as soon as possible, basically, as soon as reasonably feasible. So it's not um, blocking them because the last thing you want to do is get something like add in the library that does something and you have all your code written up and you're like, oh, this version has vulnerability. I can't use this version. And then it turns out you need to switch to a different version that has changes from the one you wrote. Now you have to redo everything. So yeah, we don't want things like that happening. Yeah, cheaper to fix all that stuff earlier in the dev cycle than to wait until it sneaks its way into production and then you have a problem. So yeah, definitely. So one of the things that we like to ask folks about on the show is debunk a myth. I feel like there's probably so many myths about security, application security, cybersecurity, whatever 
pieces of the the whole pie uh, that are out there. So what's a what's a favorite myth, Patrick? You you put one in our notes to, to talk about. Oh <laughs> uh, yes, my myth. Uh, you know, I I'm on social media all the time. I'm looking, and you know, people are like, "Hey, what certification should I get? What should I do? How to get into cybersecurity and all this other stuff." I wanted to make sure early in the process, I let you know, like, okay, cool. I want to get any networking. Let me get these two certifications by CCNA and Network Plus. Didn't get anywhere. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the certifications are just, I guess, the backbone for learning, but it was a lot easier to get certifications back in the day because you had brain dumps, you had uh, all kinds of other stuff, and no one took it seriously. So it's just like, okay. I mean, I still get people now that look at my CISSP and they laugh at me like, oh, okay, yeah, that just proves you know how to take a test. And I'm sitting there like, that actually hurt. I worked hard for that one. Cheers, man. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't cheat for that one. You know, like I worked for it. <laughs> it's a thing. You can get into cybersecurity without any. I believe you don't have any, right, Nick? Or you have one? I have like a couple little ones now. Granted, one of them I didn't get till after I um, started at PagerDuty. But yeah, I didn't really have um, have that many. I don't even have background in comp sci. I'm actually mostly a mix of like self-taught and web app development. So yeah, it's definitely a myth that you need certificates for sure. Um, You need the knowledge from certificates. Absolutely. Because that's really what a lot of it comes down to. Like for me personally, I have a couple of certificates from SANS, which is like one of the big prestigious cybersecurity um, schools. And they are great, but in all honesty, the certificate I have from the local tech school was far more useful for the knowledge I gained because it was a much more in-depth certificate. It was a lot longer, took me like three years to do. So that was so much more valuable in actually getting into security because I gained so much more knowledge from it compared to a certificate that people say might recognize more, but you don't actually gain as much knowledge like cramming yourself through a like three months month course versus doing a multi-year thing. Because I mean, in an interview, they're going to ask you a whole bunch of questions and your piece of paper isn't going to save you (laughs) if uh, you can't answer them. It's it's about the knowledge you have. I say the ability to find answers will take you a whole lot further than a certificate would. Because I mean, for example, that thing you posted in Slack the other day, Meg, or was it today or yesterday? I don't remember. I didn't know the answer, but I knew, I know damn well how to troubleshoot and i'll sit here and i'm like okay i'm gonna find this out i'm gonna figure it out so i like went and i was like oh okay i think this is what the problem is so you know just that ability to want to learn will take you a lot further than you know a certificate would so what's your what's your favorite thing that you have learned like what's something that was like super cool or super fun that that you learned python (laughs) really (laughs) yes i'm not sure i believe you I used to be heavy when it came to like vulnerability management, pulling results from Qualys. I'll open up an Excel spreadsheet and I'm working with like 100,000 lines in Excel spreadsheet. I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. Okay, let me create my filters and do this. And then one day I was like, hmm, let me try to do this in Python. So, you know, open up the file, write up what you want. And I had the answer so much quicker than using Excel. I was like, okay, let me see what else I could do. And then it just went from there. Maybe you've missed your your chance to participate in like Excel esports. I, that may have been a missed opportunity for you. I have seen some pretty badass stuff on Excel. And like, yeah, yeah. I was like, I didn't know you could like create an email in Excel. Who the hell would have thought? Yeah. 
Meg, what's what's one of your favorite things? Python's probably pretty high up there too. I didn't actually learn Python until I started doing um, cybersecurity courses. Uh, so it's pretty high up there. I think for me though, it was actually getting to see and play with some of the tools for um, doing exploits oh. and just how easy it is to um, exploit a known vulnerability. It's like a couple commands. It can take like a couple minutes if <laughs> against the system with the right vulnerabilities. So that that's really cool. And um, also demoing that to other people and just watching their eyes go wide when you're like, ah, hey, look, that took like five, 10 minutes. I have root access on this system. And they're just like stunned. It's like, and I didn't have to write any code. I didn't have to do anything like that. I just had to run some scripts. And it's like, but, and suddenly they understand how important patching things are. And yeah, that, that's probably my favorite thing. Yeah, that it's so, it's so cool, right? Like, I feel like at one point doing like some kind of like kernel memory overflow, buffer magic, whatever. And that was like, the hard, hard stuff. And now like you can download things off of this crazy thing called the internet and somebody has already done all the hard work for you and magic happens. It's just, I mean, with derogatory, we used to call them script kitties, but like it's still interesting tools to like really take a look at where your soft underbelly is in a lot of your applications because this stuff is already out there. And if you know about it, you're probably too late. So turn around and somebody behind you in your system. What's something that you're like looking forward to learning? Like it feels like security is probably a part of our our industry that like, you have to be like constantly learning stuff and looking at things. We talked about how you keep up with what's going on and like the CVEs and other things that are happening. But how do you choose like what else you want to learn about and what are you looking forward to learning over the next say year maybe? I'll give you one quick example of. Well, so I have my CISP, I've maintained my CISSP, which goes into a lot of the stuff that I do learn. Yeah. But I'm actually ahead of schedule because you're supposed to have 120, uh, what is it, educational units in three years. I just renewed this year and I'm already at 60. Oh, wow. So I'm kind of like, okay, let me take a little break from learning and just uh, focus on other stuff. So, I mean, non-technical stuff, you know, how, how does a business run? How does a business work? You know, just little stuff like this, you can actually tie into security in some way, shape, or form, you know? So I do want to get a little bit more into the business side of things. How do you think about how security plays into the the business and how you contribute to our the overall success of, of an organization from a security standpoint? Uh, good question. <laughs> you got to find out for us. Yeah, I had to find out. I mean, some stuff I learned very early in my career when I was talking to one of the CISOs I used to work with, he told me about, you know, capital expenditures, operational expenditures. I'm like, well, what do you mean? And he's like, yeah, you know, we got to spend this much money by this time. And I'm like, oh, we have to spend it? I mean, you can't just pay me that money? And he's like, no. So I'm just trying to understand a little bit more about, you know, budgeting, uh, all that other good stuff. Awesome. Megan, you got anything on your plans that you want? Um, I mean, always in the background, I like learning more about like pen testing and ethical hacking. But as far as like pager duty specific goes, I'm really looking forward to um, getting to work with some of the teams more, learning more about what they do and their workflows and how um, we can sort of get security more integrated into their processes. 
again, I'm still fairly new to learning more about like how everything works. So I think that's sort of where I'm I'm looking to gain most of the knowledge because for me, still a lot of the ex- there the exact dev workflow is still a bit of a mystery to me because I haven't really seen it, and I came from someone uh, somewhere uh, very uh, very large and very bureaucratic previously, so it was a very um, rigid process there. It'll be interesting to see um, what all the processes are, how they even vary team to team, if they do, yeah, and how uh, security can get more integrated into there. And also just what developers want to learn about, about security, because that's always fun, teaching people about what they are excited about or what they they knew more about. Yeah, I was going to say, like, like, do you have a feel yet for, like, what folks are looking for or like what they feel like their places are that they need to learn more or any of that stuff. Yeah. It's kind of interesting to see like what folks already sort of have a feel for in the security realm. Like, Oh, we've got some OAuth or whatever sort of basics versus like what else they could be looking at in their processes. Uh, not yet, but that is something that we are wanting to learn more about. Yeah. Um, that's definitely one of the, one of the initiatives that is kind of coming up. Whereas, like, finding out more about what developers wish they knew more about or had more training on and whether it be, like, actually, like, directly work-relevant topics like cross-site scripting or if it's just, like, this is a security topic that they just wish they knew more about but might not be directly related to work, that sort of thing. So, and we'll probably hopefully get to have more, like, just, like, training and knowledge sharing sessions come out of that that are more directed to topics that people are really interested in. Yeah, do you have, like, a list of basic ones that you like to go over with people? Or do you feel like there's maybe a top three or top five of things that, you know, for your average engineer out there, they should have some knowledge of, of a handful of security bits and pieces? I think everyone's had uh, like a SQL injection drilled into their heads. By now, I would uh, hope by so. By now. Yes. But I think what I at least found as a developer is I didn't really find I fully understood what you could do with cross-site scripting until I actually had it demoed how you can use it to actually like obtain session cookie information to like actually access uh, an account in something. And then it's like, oh, all right, now this all makes sense. Yeah, and I remember finding a lot of the training that we did, I did as a developer didn't really go into enough detail that you can really see. You're like, okay, I, I kind of get this. this. This makes sense. I understand what this is. I understand how to prevent it. But I didn't fully understand just how bad it can be. Yeah, um, I think that's probably one. But um, yeah, it probably depends developers and what they do, what's the most. To add on to that, we might be shooting ourselves in the foot. One, because PagerDuty has some of the smartest people I've ever worked with to date. And I'm just like, oh, my God, I don't even know what's going on here. But uh, another one to add, I think I can't remember what the OWASP top 10 is. I think broken access control is pretty high up there oh, as yeah. far as uh, identity access manager, all that other stuff right there. That is very hard. And that's one of the you know main places, the point of entry. Yeah, you mentioned the OWASP list. And I'll put that in the show notes for folks if you're not familiar with it. Is there anything else that you use as guidance for folks that way? That if we have any engineers listening, that there might be uh, some things they could read up on? If you're not familiar with that, that's a great thing to start. They they also have lists that are more mobile specific too. Um, if someone's like a mobile app developer, that might be more relevant. 
there's some other lists that you can look at. It sort of depends on what um, your interests and your goals are. If you're more concerned about like what's relevant to you as an individual person, or are you more concerned about what's relevant to the work you do? Cool. All right. Is there anything else that you would like folks to know about security in general or anything else that we should cover before we say goodbye this week? What's your favorite security pet peeve? People calling hashing encryption. Oh, that's a good one. Yes. I'm going to say, yes, I don't like when they say that people are the problem. You know, they're like, yeah, don't click that link in the email. Don't open it. And they're going to shame you for it. And here at PageDuty, we don't shame people because you're going to open up the email. It's okay if you, you know, we'll investigate <laughs> and we'll help you minimize the effects after the fact. But don't be afraid to be human. And that's what I feel like a lot of security professionals do shame people on being human. Yeah, I feel like, and as I've joined PGD too, like our security training is very collegial, right? It's very, it's very much, they feel more like the security team is your peers and your friends and they're going to help you with stuff. And like the phishing stuff is so tricksy now. Like it's, some of it's really, really clever. And like, unless you're being very conscious all the time and that's hard to do, it's exhausting. We get a lot of garbage emails and, a lot that look legitimate that could be nasty and yeah like our our security training um which is online we have a version of it that's open source and online so i'll put that in the show notes for folks too is super supportive for like actual human beings that are doing a thing and living on the internet where bad things sometimes happen so yeah it's super great from that perspective for all of us non-security people yeah and i think i can remember a few weeks ago when there was a paypal one going out where People were abusing PayPal services and emails were coming legitimately from PayPal about a company saying, hey, you owe us money. So it's like, how do you train and prepare people for that? Like you tell them, don't click a link. It's not HTTPS. They're not going to do it. And this is a legitimate email coming from a legitimate company for illegitimate purposes. But, you know, that's where it does get tricky. These criminals are getting too smart. Yeah, definitely. And there's way too many of them uh, for sure. So, all right. Well, I think we've covered some good stuff here. Is there any other parting thoughts you'd like to leave folks with this week? Change your passwords. Go to pageofduty.com slash careers. There you go. Yeah, folks can always check out our careers page. Does your team ever take an intern? Like our intern program is amazing. Uh, we had an intern on our team uh, for two years ago. It was incredible to have her like working on actual projects for us. Um, but yeah, folks are looking for intern projects intern program our internship program is amazing yeah yeah there's supposed to be one coming up yeah we've definitely we've had uh interns in the past um i believe actually one of the people on our team used to be an intern i think i think naya used to be an intern originally yes before either of our time obviously yeah i i think i think she actually started out as an intern awesome all right well this has been super fun uh you guys are great, and I'm glad you're with us at PagerDuty, helping us out and keeping everybody safe since we have so much important information from all of our customers and all that good stuff. So thank you for joining us this week. Thank you for the invite. It was fun. It was great to be on here. Awesome. All right, so thank you, everybody out there. We will uh, see you again in two weeks. In the meantime, we'll wish you an uneventful day. That does it for another installment of Pager to the Limit. We'd like to thank our sponsor, PagerDuty, for making this podcast possible. Remember to subscribe to this podcast if you like what you've heard. You can find our show notes at pagertothelimit.com and you can reach us on Twitter 
at Page It to the Limit using the number two. Thank you so much for joining us. And remember, uneventful days are beautiful days.